Hello, welcome to the latest RD Audio recording. This week we were very lucky to have the opportunity to host a conversation between Katie Darcy, who listeners to the previous podcast will have heard of. She's one of the expert researcher development professionals that we use in Cambridge for our programme. And on the other hand, with Sue Jackson, Dr. Sue Jackson, who has been working with research students and staff in Cambridge for many, many years. Sue was herself a research fellow. She's worked in research and development, both for the School of Technology and the Department of Engineering. She's also been a fellow and graduate tutor at Lucy Cavendish. And this week, the two of them were discussing the topic of resilience. Obviously, this has been in the ether, in the discourse a lot recently, to what extent we can and should be thinking about building our resilience during this slightly strange time. So in the following discussion, Sue and Katie share some of their insights and ideas. And as ever, we've included some resources for you to take this further. So if you're on YouTube, just look below and they're included in the references there. So I hope that you find this conversation as interesting and thought provoking as I did. And if you found it useful, then do please leave a comment or uh, tweet us or send us an email. And if you have suggestions for further recordings that you think would be useful, then we'd love to hear from you. So, hi, Katie. Good to see you. Um, I just feel it's a really good time to talk about resilience and think about what we what we've discovered about resilience, because with background stress levels being so high um, then it's a, it's a good time to work on ways that we can all increase our resilience. And I think both of us have found through uh, looking at this, at this topic that this is actually something uh, that can be learned and that we can, uh, we can prepare for to be, to be stronger. I mean, for me, resilience means being, being strong. So um, what, what are your thoughts yeah, I think um, there's two interesting points in um, what you've just said, Sue. The first one is, I think of it, um, as you say, as being strong or robust. Um, and I also think of it as you see a lot of the explanations of resilience being about um, about being able to bounce back from hardship, trauma, uh, negative events, um, etc. But one useful thing I saw a long time ago was about thinking of it more as bouncing forward and that you're not trying to return to um, a past place because actually that's a source of anxiety in itself and thinking more about actually bouncing forward and um, accepting, if not embracing change because resilience is actually all about change. Yes, and all of us find change hard. It's, it's, it's a sort of programmed into to humans that don't like don't like change but uh thinking about um things in the past things in the past are something that we have no control over we can't control what happened in the past what's 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 happened in the past is is done and uh, so one of the important things that comes out of training yourself to be resilient learning to be resilient is is uh, working on things that you have some control over, things that you can influence. And uh, I know we both read uh, Stephen Covey's book, and and for me that's a that's a bible, the Seven Habits of Effective People. And it starts off with being proactive, recognizing that there are some things that you can influence, and then there are a whole lot of other things that are just happening that we can't do anything and about. And, and that's the situation we're all in at the moment. There's this whole world that's, uh, that's 
working on the pandemic. The pandemic is happening, um, but that's not something that we can do anything about. But there are things that we can do to maintain our strength in that situation and cope with the change. Yeah, I know in previous conversations that you and I have had, um, you brought up the point that Covey had made about um, sort of your circles of influence and the things that you can control and the things that you can't and being aware of that. And I think that's really important. Um, and we sort of hear the phrase of um, accept the things that you cannot change and change the things that you can um, banded around. And I, I think that's, that's a really excellent starting point is checking into that of what do I have control over. and um, in most things that we talk about with um, personal development, what we come back to is that the only thing really you have control over to change is yourself, mm. is um, your way of thinking, your way of practice, even your behaviour. And that's not me saying that's easy. That's actually very hard and it requires a lot of time and effort to do that. Um, but what I hope we do in this talk is actually give some people some practical things that they can do to actually do that, um, rather than just sort of glib sentences of you know um be stronger etc I, I i think what we're all yearning for in these moments of times being challenging is well what does that actually look like what do i have to do what do i have to practice in order to be stronger in inverted commas or more resilient mm. and i think that's one of the one of the um positives if you like of the situation that we find ourselves in is that we all have more time to think and to think what is important to us and what do we what do we value and that's not normally something that happens so i think that's a positive and and actually just keeping a bit of a positive mindset uh think of the positive things that are happening rather than dwelling on all the all the bad things um is 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 one of the things that we can do and so um so with with uh, stephen covey he says that um, proactive people work on things they can do something about, which is what we've both just said. Uh, but reactive people work on the weaknesses of others and are always blaming and accusing other people for their things. So I think that's certainly something we can do is to think, what is it? Why is this happening? And what can I do about it rather than blaming somebody else or the circumstances? Yeah. Yeah, that... To be honest, that point really actually opens the lid on so many points to do with resilience. Um, the first one is, I think, checking in with emotions of the reason why we're often talking about resilience is because people are having emotions that they are struggling to deal with. So whether that might be frustration or anger or jealousy uh, or anxiety, what we're really talking about with resilience is how do I cope with those emotions? And I think um, the first thing is we have to realize that we're not trying to erase or dampen those emotions. Those emotions are there to tell us a story and we need to check in and example, examine sorry, why those stories exist. That emotion is there to tell you that something is wrong in your environment that is causing that negative emotion. And then mixed with that, the, the positivity, the positive thinking that you're referencing, um, that Kobe did talk about, other people also have come up. So one of the um, overarching themes of resilience when you look at different texts is to do with gratitude and to do with positive thinking, is to not get stuck down the rabbit hole of negative thought. Um, the Resilience Project um, by Hugh Van, I think it's Koylenberg, Koylenberg? I'm not 100% sure how to pronounce his surname, unfortunately, um, but if you look at the Resilience Project, 
he talks about um, he's got a little model for resilience, which is GEM, which is gratitude, empathy and mindfulness. And the first one is gratitude. And one of the things that he's talked about that I thought was quite interesting is that we're seven times more likely to focus on negative things than positive. So that's why gratitude is a practice. You have to actually engage with thinking about things that you are um, happy about or grateful for within your day and writing those down again um, with some of the talks I've done with Steve we keep coming back to that writing is a very powerful form for consolidation um, and so writing those things down whether it's in an app or whether it's on paper is a really good way of thinking about that the other one just to quickly um, link to is if you listened to mine and Steve's talk about procrastination I referenced a book by Fogg called The Tiny Habits mm -hmm. and in there one of the things I didn't talk about in that podcast but he does bring up later is about that um, that habit change is also about celebrating when you have done something um, and that it has to actually be a celebration you have to be like you know woohoo Katie well done you did it and again that sounds so cringeworthy I you know I read it and was like oh I can't imagine doing that but actually it it really reinforces you and what he also talks about is don't worry about it feeling disingenuous to begin with it's a really important practice to celebrate when you have done something because it actually reinforces the habit and so gratitude and celebration are practices which you should build into your day of saying thank you for things that um, already exist and also celebrating the things that you have been able to achieve Yes, I, I think that's a that's a really important point. And uh, so so people do talk about keeping a feel good journal, all the good things that have happened. So uh, and, and writing things down, I absolutely agree that you can think all sorts of things. But once you write them down, then you can start to be rational about them and and to make some decisions. And in terms of just learning how to control your emotions, I think that's a really important factor in building resilience. And the person that, the, 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 the book that I really like is um, the one with Steve, Steve Peters. So he's the, he's the guy who coached the Sky Cycling team, I think, to, to their victory. He works with sports people. And of course, they're constantly having to cope with not winning or coming last or something going wrong so he's he works with them about that and he's got this very simple model of uh, of how the brain works and um, so so basically the first thing to kick in when something happens is what he calls he calls it the chimp it's the it's the the, the bit of the primeval bit of your brain that is reacting um, it sort of in fear or flight mode that so the, the, the first reaction you have is to be angry or upset or just uh, totally not rational. And that's why the, the, you mentioned mindfulness as part of um, the, the, the GEM strategy. So, and that's about just actually taking time to, when something happens, take some deep breaths, give yourself time. So instead of reacting emotionally, which clouds your rational brain you've got to be start to be rational so give yourself time to get the part of your brain that that actually um, deals with um, rational thought and kick the chimp out so the the emotional bit cut cut that down and once you know that that's what happens and so with when you when you're interacting with other people and somebody else gets mad then you can just think okay that's not the rational part of their brain that's just 
how they are. And when your stress levels are high, it doesn't take very much to tip you into that very irrational, emotional way of behaving. And that's been found time and time again. So when in the days when, when there was road rage, because there were lots of cars on the road and people getting angry, it could be that your morning started off with, with uh, tipping your cup, cup of coffee all over your, your shirt. And, and so little things build up, build up. And so by the time you're on the road and somebody does something stupid in front of you, that's when you have an irrational, over-the-top reaction. So I think his model, his book, is, is very useful in just thinking through learning how to control your emotions and then you can start to be rational about things that are happening yeah and i think the key thing there is about learning to control the outcome of that emotion but not learning to stop the emotion yes um the emotion is so useful um and in uh nonviolent communication by marshall rosenberg um the whole premise of that method is about having an observation something is happening to me i'm having a negative um emotion you can you can do it with positive emotions as well of course but uh, when we talk about resilience we're talking about usually negative emotions there's a negative something negative has happened i've responded in a way that i'm not happy about or that is detrimental to me and what we have to tune into then is what specifically is the emotion at play here and being able to label it very very specifically so rather than using a generic term like i'm fed up actually is it fed up or is it angry or is it disappointed or is it frustrated or is it embarrassed or shameful and labeling it really specifically is incredibly useful because when we label the emotion the emotion is the key that unlocks therefore what the unmet need is and once we know what the unmet need is i'm embarrassed because i don't understand um, or i'm embarrassed because whatever it might be that then allows you to know what change needs to be made and whether it's a change that you need to make or whether it's a request that you need to put in to those around you um, and if sort of nonviolent communication model of this observe, observation shows you the emotion that emotion shows you the need and that need allows you to make a request if that feels a bit too clunky to think in real time the other one simple way that i often think about it is what's the fear what's the fear i have and therefore what's the need because again the fear is usually wrapped around an emotion and that allows us to unlock the need and um that really is a daily practice of articulation um of how would I describe this? Um, how do I get someone to see the, my worldview and therefore understand why this thing is difficult to me? And therefore, how does that inform me about how I want to engage differently with my environment and those around me? Yes, and I think uh, what, what you're articulating there is how important it is to talk to somebody. Hmm. And, uh, and of course, we don't, we don't have access to people in the same way that uh, we used to, but just as you and I are talking, to find somebody that you can just uh, talk over and they and they listen. And that's one of the things that, that in, uh, in Stephen Covey's book, he talks about first uh, aim to understand, understand, and that's about effective listening. So actually listening to somebody else, by listening to somebody else, you can start to understand um, or, or to ask them questions. So having that one-to-one, coaching really a relationship 
of course it, it's it's uh, you can do that you can do that re remotely with with somebody and so just to find actually to engage your your support network even though it, for for some people who really are alone at the moment um just recognizing that your support network doesn't have to be a professional person it can be a friend it can be just somebody who will listen and uh, and and actually just point out things or ask you what have you done about that or what are you doing about that or what does that mean and uh, i think with uh, with quite a lot of academics that's that's actually quite a difficult place to go is it's sort of too touchy feely really but it's important yeah i think um you and i both know and we've both sometimes struggled with offering resilience training because some of it seems really trite um, and it seems a lot like sort of just telling people what to do, but actually you realise that there's so many things at play for people of why they're engaging with a topic of, of resilience um, that makes it really challenging, but it also makes it a really worthwhile subject to examine. Um, and one of the things that I've seen, I've been sort of trying to go over when we've been researching this topic um, for this talk, but also for the workshops, is to find the commonalities across all of the advice that's given and I sort of hit upon a point um, the other day where I realized that a lot of what the advice is telling you to do is about preparation is about setting yourself up before you need it um, and your point about people and engaging and talking is one of those that you know if somebody doesn't have anybody to talk to if they're in crisis it's very hard then to say you need to talk to somebody about it because that just feels like one more thing to do so really what we're looking at often with resilience training is there are some things you can immediately do regardless of whether you're in the middle of um, needing resilience or preparing for it but there's also a lot of things that actually are about um, changing your daily life um, and and having things like people around you people that you're happy to talk to a friend of mine talks about people being tent pegs that when they're in a, a point of their life that they need more support or they need to talk about something or something isn't going well, that they can refer to those people and that they know that they will keep them grounded, they'll keep them positive and they'll keep them moving forward. Um, and so it's, it's again that um, network issue. And I, again, one of my most <laughs> loved pieces of advice that I trot out all the time, is the Jim Rohn idea of you are the average of the five people you spend most of your time with. And um, I think lockdown is a really, <laughs> really sort of um, boiling pot of that. All of a sudden we're with certain people even more than we would be normally. But actually the impact of being with those people really comes out as to whether or not they lift us up or whether or not actually they're another source of stress. And uh, I think thinking about how else can you engage outside of your circle and who do you need added in? Maybe actually you need the person that's just going to be your cheerleader and you don't really need somebody that's going to give you some hard hitting feedback. You know, um, you actually need that friend that you know is going to be there saying that everything's great and brilliant and you're wonderful, regardless of if you feel it or not. But you actually just need that positive voice in your circle. So, so one of the things for, for people who think this is a very touchy-feely sort of subject, it's interesting that, that this is something that's taught to the military, uh, strategies for, for resilience. 
and so we we both we both looked at at that but there there are various points uh, made uh, in that that the military are taught so learning how to accept change which we've talked a little bit about moving towards goals and and there's an important thing is is what are your goals and actually again we have time at the moment to think about what our goals are maybe our our course in life has been totally changed because of what's what's happened in in these last few months and so just to to reflect on what your goals are um and and then taking some decisive action so getting the information that you need in order to think well what do i do to make that uh make that happen and of course that that relates to um uh, being proactive really but but unless you know where you're going it's hard to be proactive and to take decisions and to move towards the goal yeah the goal thing um is one of those where i think people sometimes really struggle with they might have some idea of a goal but they don't know actually how to get there and again a very simple method that i use in a lot of my workshops is um thinking about that big overarching goal for this to happen so let's say let's say in a research context it's writing a research paper right we want to write a research paper and then breaking down in order for that to happen what needs to happen and on post-it notes physically writing down all the things that need to happen in order for that big thing to happen so to do some background reading to get my references together to speak to um, my team or co-authors um, to get some data to um, visit an archive whatever it might be and then prioritizing all of those points and keep breaking them down and keep breaking them down into until there's such a manageable piece of work or effort that you can't not do it so um if you want more details on this you can look it up as sticky steps planning um but it's actually rehashed into all sorts of different um project management tools but it's the idea of keep breaking down the um the, the big task into much smaller tasks until you could immediately go and complete one of those tasks and tick it off. And then once you've done that, you can celebrate and you can say, fantastic, I've done a tiny little thing towards that project. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's, that's brilliant. It's something I'd, I'd forgotten, actually. I, I, remember, I remember encountering that in uh, project planning. So, so that's, a, that's, a, that's a very good um, tip. And um, so, I just uh, think that uh, before we before we finish uh, finish this uh, chat, it's just important to just think about the other things because we've been talking a lot about emotions and how you think about things and how you learn to be resilient through being proactive, working towards your goals, controlling emotions, etc. But there's all that other part of um, and going back to the Covey book, his last habit is sharpening the saw, which is uh, his his code for keeping keeping fit yourself, and taking time out to make sure you sleep properly, you eat properly, and you take exercise. And in in building resilience, and of course, this is something that that, that the military also uh, have to do. It's just um, just keeping yourself physically uh, in good shape because it's hard to be in mentally good shape if you're not uh, physically in, in good shape so that's another thing that everybody needs to uh, to be thinking about make time 
and personally i found uh, the the when we had the instruction that you could only do one hour exercise outside every day well that was like okay so i've got to do one hour exercise every day which is um which has been brilliant actually but it's not something i'd normally do so i think that's fascinating i i have seen that for myself and many people around me who um the minute that it became that everything has been stripped away and that that was prioritized and became um a commodity that was very precious everybody started engaging in it um, and everyone's taken it up and done it and I think that's brilliant um, and going back to my breaking something down in order for this to happen what needs to happen in order to do any big task or project one of the post-it notes that should be in there is about self-care is about eating well having exercise being rested and sleeping properly those things enable you to do the bigger projects so you can include those in there in order to break those down as well. Um, and I think actually one of the benefits of lockdown is, is exactly as you said, it's made us think, right, I've got this half hour, one hour window of exercise. I'm going to take it up. And it's really important because it's one of the few things I've got right now. And I need to keep myself well, both mentally and physically. Um, so hopefully that's a, a learning that we'll all take forward from here. Yes, and, and maybe that's a good place to finish because I think having a positive outlook and, uh, and, and you're pointing out some things there that uh, we can be really uh, positive about and um, in, in, in a situation that otherwise could be pretty dire and actually is for, for many people. But uh, so uh, are, are there any, is there anything else that you, you want to uh, say just to conclude? because we can talk for hours on this we can um i think uh, just in summary is one thing is to not be afraid of your own emotions to just touch on that again and to examine why those emotions exist and therefore what the need is that you have off the back of those the second one is um all these things we're talking about such as um the uh, like a gratitude journal writing things down um paying more attention to the positive rather than being skewed towards the negative, um, paying attention to the network of people you have around you. And also we've touched slightly on um, how mindfulness can also be really empowering and empathy and um, helping each other um, and actually helping one another. The um, resilience project that I um, briefly mentioned, which will give all the full references um, in supporting information, either in text below or in a document, they have an app um which does cost 2.99 unfortunately but what it actually does is a is a daily check-in and they talk about that it takes 21 days to rewrite um how we think about something and so for 21 days you're invited to do a gratitude check-in you click on an emoji to show what emotion you feel that day and explain why you then talk about three things you're grateful for that day you're also asked that if anybody is mentioned in your day of gratitude that you actually share that with them as an as an empathy as a um here's some compassion and making sure that those that you love or appreciate um are included and that they know that um and then there's actually also a breathing mindful part of the app as well and so it kind of does everything all in one place so if you're looking for if you're looking for an instant way to just jump on board and do it it's a really great little um project to do um with that in mind um it said uh, if you mention anybody in your things that you're grateful for um, you should screenshot it and let those people know and I actually put 
um, working with Steve Joy and Sue Jackson on this talk. And so this is my chance to say thank you so much to Steve Joy for inviting us to speak and also to you, Sue, to have the pleasure of talking to you again. I look forward to talking to you again, Katie. So bye for now. Bye for now. <laughs>